This is the Alternative Edge, home of KBVU Podcasts. Hey you, yeah, you, smile. It's a great day to have a great day. Let's get positive. How's it going, everyone? I'm Joshua Tiggis, and thank you for listening to The Positive Point, a podcast where I try to shed some light into your world. I'm very excited for this episode this week. Well, I'm excited for all of my episodes, but this one in particular because my guest actually reached out to me on Instagram, and I knew right away I had to sit down and have a conversation with her as soon as the season started. Raquel Alger has a phenomenal Instagram account with a pretty big following, and I have fallen in love with her inspirational posts. After listening to this episode, you can check out her page. It'll be linked in the description, or you can find her yourself at Hope Change Inspire. But in reaching out, she mentioned her advocacy for sobriety, mental health, faith, and hope. And that really caught my attention because as you know from episode one of this season, I have learned kind of the hard way the importance of looking after our mental health. However, through all of my struggles, I have always turned back to my faith and put trust in the greater plan, which is what Raquel also advocates for, building a relationship with God and having the trust and hope in a better tomorrow. In fact, that's going to be a talking point of this episode, the relationship between faith and positivity. I can't wait to get into this conversation because she's a certified life coach, certified spiritual coach, certified therapeutic art coach. She's simply an incredible woman who is very inspirational and has a lot to share. So without further ado, allow yourself to escape from your life for a little while and enjoy this episode with Raquel Alger. So Raquel, welcome to The Positive Point. I am so excited to have you here with me today because Ever since you've reached out, I've been anxiously waiting for this moment where we were finally able to connect. Thank you for having me. Yeah, so when you first reached out, you mentioned about sharing your own personal story. And I know that's something that you want to share out there and share your lessons out there. So if you don't mind, let's kind of just dive right into it on what your journey has been up to this point in life. Yeah, absolutely. So diving in right away, I... Uh, struggled with depression and OCD and anxiety for as long as I can remember. But in middle school, I was officially diagnosed with OCD and depression. But beforehand, you know, there is always those OCD tendencies, but I thought it was normal, you know, like every every person went through this. And as I kept on getting older and older, it became worse. And I, I really thought that I had schizophrenia because there's these with OCD, there's these, these obsessions that you keep on having in your head over and over and over again, or images playing and, and your mind and is telling you to do this and this and with the compulsion. So I thought I was just going crazy. I didn't know what to do. Maybe crazy is not an appropriate word for this, but that's how I felt. So after a traumatic incident in my life where my grandma passed away, that's usually when OCD kind of reaches a really heightened point and is just 
increased with all of the anxiousness and obsessions and compulsions. So I couldn't really take it anymore. I went to seek therapy again. And then we worked on it. We worked on the coping skills and mechanisms. And ever since then, I've been doing really good with OCD. Uh, in regards to depression, um, it's something that I struggle with, but therapy is always there. And I just have to be aware of my emotions and myself and how I'm doing. Yeah, well, that's a really interesting and fascinating story in some ways how, with how you've had to deal with everything. I mean, I think it really brings to light how much people can struggle with their own thoughts, how you started developing those thoughts of maybe this was something more serious of schizophrenia, which I'm glad it is not that I don't want to say not that serious, because it's still obviously something that is a big burden on you. But it's really inspiring to see that you've went through those measures and reached out to those people to get that help. And then you've mentioned like middle school, this was really starting to kind of show itself. So was there that really distinct time or that distinct moment in your life when that realization hit you and that became the moment where you thought you needed to seek out this help? Yeah, I was getting bullied pretty badly in middle school and it really led to depression right around middle school also. So sixth grade is when I had to move, um, you know, when my dad lost his job, we didn't have enough money to stay in the house that we usually have. Of course, I'm so thankful for shelter and all of that, but it was just moving, my parents' divorce, and then changing schools, making new friends. But I was kind of this outsider with glasses and braces and Nobody knew me before, so the glasses and braces girl, right? So, you know, I was an easy target. I was definitely shy back then. Not like now, I'm more kind of upbeat and outgoing. So that was really a time where depression started to hit. Also, on top of that, I spent a month in the hospital because of a physical ailment, I guess, if you want to call it, because I had my appendix burst inside of me. It was misdiagnosed. It was a whole thing. And I almost died, but I didn't. I'm here. So the divorce, the bullying, um, not really having anyone to talk to. I went to talk to my dad and just say, hey, you know, I'm getting bullied in school. And then from there, we went to see a therapist. She then had diagnosed me with depression. And I was actually talking to my dad about this, maybe about a couple of weeks ago, because I said, you know, when was, I remember being diagnosed with depression in middle school, and I think OCD then, right? And he goes, yeah, it was definitely then, because in my head, I was also seeing when it peaked, and I saw a therapist later on with OCD, but he goes, no, it was all the way back in middle school where you're diagnosed with both. So that's really when the depression peaked there as well. Well, just bringing up all those kind of like hardships that you've had to experience with, even to the point of your appendix having to go to the hospital, I think it's the accumulation of all those different traumatic events, you want to call them, in our lives that can lead to these troubles within people. But I kind of want to circle back to what you originally mentioned on with your OCD and the coping mechanisms that you've that you've kind of learned to overcome those compulsions that come with OCD. So what are some of those kind of like go-to coping mechanisms that have seemed to really work for you? Awesome question. One of the main coping mechanisms that helped me was just, well, first, I'll just tell you the first session I had with my therapist. 
and this was in high school. So she kind of wanted to get an idea how bad it was. And I was afraid of numbers. I was afraid of specific numbers. And so what she did was she knocked on the table, you know, six times. I could not handle it. I started crying and everything and irrational thought, right? Kind of like an irrational fear. So she said, all right, you have severe OCD. And from there, what we did was immersion therapy the way that we did it helped me because it helped me realize that I could overcome it. Martian therapy is not always great in every circumstance, but I was okay with it. I liked it because it it really did help me and realized that I really did have a problem and I need to fix it as, as quickly as possible. So some of the things that I liked that therapist did and helped me with coping mechanisms was basically just giving me homework. It was homework where I had to go and decrease how many times I checked the door decrease how many times I would count, you know, during the day. Or another thing I didn't mention was that I also needed to take showers like constantly because I always felt just like unclean. And so that was something else I had to work on. And she was amazing and helped me with everything. So basically homework was bit by bit, whether then in therapy was immersion, but also journaling journaling helped me a lot. Um, And then we would go over it in in sessions. Faith-wise, I would pray a lot. I know people can be skeptical about that and not everyone likes to do it, but it just helped me take my mind off of things. Also for just emotional regulation, I would kind of document my day-to-day thoughts and look for improvement and what was I doing for the improvement, which was keeping myself occupied And whether it be doing regular school homework or um, finding a new hobby, you know, I played the drums for a little bit or joining clubs after school. So those things helped me. Yeah, well, I think with you mentioning like all those symptoms that you were having with having to constantly go check the door and take a bunch of those showers, it reminded me, I actually had like this aha moment in my mind because it took me back to my psychology classes that I'm currently taking and that I took last year. And one of them was focusing on one like OCDs and these different types of, I won't call them like disorders, but these different things that people experience. But that with OCD, I think it's really important to talk about because it's kind of become a joking manner lately that I've noticed within our society in which people say, oh, it's just my OCD or something. But I don't think people really recognize how severe it can actually be and how impactful or how detrimental it could be to the lives of people like you've been talking about. Yes, thank you so much for mentioning that. I actually was having a conversation with someone who has OCD and we were literally talking about the same thing you said, which is in society, it's kind of become this fun, like quirky thing that you have. It's not really a disorder. It's just like a fun quirk in your personality. You know, people say it passing by when they're talking to me sometimes if they don't know I have OC, but in my back of my head, I think like, if you only knew, like the way I could describe it to someone who didn't know what OCD was, or they just wanted to have the colors in a row. And then they're like, oh my gosh, I have OCD or whatever. But the way I could describe it is if I didn't check the doorknobs about 10 times with each hand, then I, 
I mean, I would spend hours sometimes doing this. And then if I didn't do it, just it was like my family being hit by cars over and over and over in my head before I finally did the compulsion, which relieved my anxiety, but then only for a short time. So, you know, in my head, when people say that, you know, I'm kind of just like, you know, whatever, I'll let you say it around me. But please, I, I mean, people might get really, really hurt by that. Yeah, I definitely agree because I'll admit it's something I never thought could be this serious or could impact someone's life that much until I took that class last year and we actually watched a movie over it and saw someone exhibit those compulsions and stuff. And it just really opened my mind up to how basically, like I've been saying, how OCD can impact someone's life in such a detrimental way. But you've mentioned one of the coping mechanisms that you've turned to is with your faith life and your connection with God. And I have to point this out because within your bio in uh, your very popular Instagram page, the very first thing or the very top thing that's there is this quote that you have. It says, the most important relationship you have is with God. So could you elaborate on that some more? And like, has your faith life been an important part of who you are today? Yeah, absolutely. I actually saw that quote somewhere a while ago. And I thought, wow, this is such a nice quote. I was like, I love it. I got to put it in my bio, but because <laughs> I had some other words in there. And I was just like, this quote really just is something I live by each day. Because within my life, like throughout the bullying, uh, even adults can be mean. I, as a growing up, like, I'm just like, really, people are still bullying at this age. But I just have to remember that the only important relationship I have is just, I'm not saying that other relationships aren't important, just like the most important, sorry, the most important relationship I have. Because if I don't have a relationship with God, in my eyes at least, then I'm failing in areas of my life. Then I'm not loving the way God would want me to be, or I'm not having faith that God would want me to have, and I'm not living my life according to his word. So then without his word, I fall short in aspects of my life where I should be worshiping, praising him. And I know people listening to this may be like, uh, okay, um, you're crazy, but, but that's my, my faith. And my faith has actually helped me overcome a lot of trials that I've been through in my life. So yeah, me focusing on also the relationship with God I have has allowed me to overcome trials and help me with coping mechanisms and helped me also realize how I should be a godly woman and how to treat other people. Yeah, I know me personally as well. Like I've always grown up with this faith life and being close to my faith. I guess I never really started to take it seriously or fully dedicate myself to my faith life until about my junior year of high school. I went on a retreat that year and it just really opened me up to the pure goodness that God is in the peace that he can bring you. And I've definitely turned to my faith life during those times when I'm stressing out or when I feel my anxiety creeping back up on me. Because last year in particular, I've mentioned on the podcast multiple times that I was just overwhelmed with this college experience all at once. And it obviously didn't help that COVID threw a wrench into everything. But it wasn't until second semester when I really started to get back in touch with my faith life and in fact, during Lent, I dedicated myself to reading a minimum of three chapters out of the Bible every single night. And sometimes it led me to read five, six, or even seven chapters. 
what I noticed through that is reading the Bible right before bed brought this sense of all I can describe it as is peace that overcame me. And for some reason, I this is by no means a coincidence, I don't think. I was just so overwhelmed with this peace and all that anxiety that I had or that stress just kind of seemed to melt away. So for me, reading in the Bible and like writing things down with journaling, as you mentioned earlier, in turning to my faith life and putting that trust in God has allowed me to have that sense of comfort and then also have that person I can lean back on, even if I felt like there was no one I could physically talk to. Yeah, absolutely. And you pointed out such a really cool point is when you said you wanted to read three chapters a night and then you somehow, you know, sometimes reading more than that, which is so cool because when you read in the Bible, you like not, you know, you specifically, but just people in general and myself are like, wow, you know what? This is not just three chapters. This is actually like just a whole story and a beautiful story. And you kind of get continue to read and read and read throughout it. And there's so many valuable lessons of faith and love and hope in there. And I guess how I got that Instagram handle name, but and inspiration that I have received from there. And so, I mean, my faith was probably, well, I got baptized, I think it was around my ending of my bachelor's and that was the coolest experience I don't know if coolest is like the right word but just the most amazing experience I've ever had in my life yeah I definitely have to agree with that because like I mentioned I have grown up in my faith life and around my faith life my entire life but it wasn't until I seeked it out for myself and actually Mm -hmm. got that burning love within my heart to go seek it out that I began to experience this peace and began to experience all these, I can't even find the words to describe them, but they were just incredible things that were happening to me. And like you were saying, when you started seeking it out for yourself, because that's when my faith grew, when I started looking at God's word and what it meant to me compared to, I don't know about you, but I grew up going, you know, the typical communion confirmation, you know, the Catholic type of tradition thing where it wasn't like going to church because you were faithful or whatnot. It was going to church because it was like a tradition in your family, which it was on my mom's side. So I did, I went to make people, you know, happy and whatnot, but it wasn't really real faith to me. And so I did more reading and searched for my own words throughout the Bible, which was very helpful in finding God. And, you know, when I was growing up, I through all the Catholic church and whatnot. I, I had faith, but I didn't really understand what church was, I guess. So I wasn't really learning anything. I wasn't growing my faith. That's why I started, you know, going home and reading the Bible and getting excited a lot about reading and how it would help me. Another point, I guess, in a weird way to connect this with what I was talking about before is I remember this distinct moment where I was so confused about faith and people's actions because the same people that were bullying me and causing me to like go into this depression were behind me in the confirmation line. And I just thought like how weird it was, you know, when we're about to go up to the priest and then they bless us or whatnot. 
And I was just like, this is so weird. Are we in a really faithful place or what's going on here? So then from then on, you know, I just decided to go, like you said, go read the word for myself and find faith by myself and not depending on other people. Yeah, exactly. Like you've been mentioning with all those people around us, it can get really tricky at times to stick true to that faith or stick true to that belief that we have since there, besides the Eucharist, there really isn't much of a tangible or physical item or presence that we can have. It's all this belief within us and this belief in that word through the Bible. So it does become hard during those times, especially when there's people around you that aren't taking it seriously. And that's something that I definitely noticed with coming on to college as well is faith. A lot of people around me is not something that they've really dedicated themselves to as much as I would say that I have. It's really like I've been mentioning, like you've been saying as well, reading the Bible and taking those steps to understand the faith and understand our beliefs that we're able to truly believe and develop that burning desire within us. Yeah, absolutely. Because God will touch each and every one of us in different ways and will come to us as we ask. And like you were just saying about college, I actually went to a Christian college for a little bit. I went to Liberty University, which I like to declare that as the worst mistake of my life because I was really excited to go down there. I was really excited to, you know, I made that decision because I was like, I'm going to grow in faith here. It was actually the opposite. It was just like the weirdest experience, maybe because I'm just a more New Yorker type person. But I remember just being down there and I lost so much. Like, I don't want to say, you know, I had my faith in God, but I guess my desire to learn more and more. Uh, So then I left, kind of started from square one up uh, in New York again. And ever since then, I've been leaning more and more onto God. Yeah. And to kind of wrap this all up and to kind of start wrapping up this discussion, I want to bring in your Instagram page, like you've been talking about, where some of the inspiration has come from your faith with starting that page. So I'm curious, kind of switching gears here, I'm curious on why you did start your Hope Change Inspire page on Instagram. Ooh, good question. So I would always come up with these affirmations and whatnot, and I would send them over to my friend. I don't know if my friend got tired of it or something, but he was just like, you know what, how you, how about you just go make a page? So I said, all right. So, <laughs> so I was like, that's actually awesome because I'm not really annoying anybody. They can follow me if they want. They don't have to. So I really had a lot of fun with it. There are a couple times during making the page and whatnot where I had to take a mental health break or take like a faith break or whatnot. But I really was like, hmm, what am I doing today that can help people tomorrow? Making the page was one of them because I was just like, if I can, you know, maybe help at least someone through this, then that would be great because we're all on social media these days. Yeah, well, I mean, that's just pure gold, what you just said. And I just love that. It's what can I do today to help people tomorrow? And I have to say, you have definitely been doing that through this page because I have fallen in love with everything you've posted. And it's not just like one post a day, I've noticed too. Like sometimes it is a little staggered, but it's constantly there's something popping up. And it is just these inspirational quotes that give you an extra boost throughout your day to just continue to keep pushing. Oh, yeah, I'm so glad that you appreciate that and like that and that it's uh, making you happy. Yeah, absolutely. But also throughout the pandemic as well, um, I'm sure 
there was a lot of people that were seeking out this positivity mindset or something with that. And I'm sure the page got much more of a following through that. But I'm curious as to your opinion or your outlook on the pandemic on if there's any good things that have come from it now that we're starting to put the pandemic behind us and starting to finally get back on our feet. Is there anything that you think that happened during the pandemic that should continue to happen? And then on the flip side of that, what do you think were some of the more detrimental things to people's health through that? Oh, okay. Great question. Um, I'm actually doing some research on how mental health has impacted people during the pandemic. So one of the things that I think that came noticeably important out of the pandemic was people started paying more attention to their mental health because when you know you're quarantined and you're not using the same I guess if people had coping mechanisms with you know being outside a lot or hanging out with their friends then a lot of that was taken away because it's quarantine and even continuing on with just COVID and the pandemic uh, some lasting effects of it But really mental health became more noticeable and what we can do for it. The really sad side of this, besides the people who have contracted COVID or have become sick from it, is also people going through depression or anxiety or having increased mental health issues because of being inside a lot. And also, I was studying substance use and alcoholism. And one of the things that I realized that there is an increase in relapses during this time, because a lot of people, once again, were inside, you know, with nothing else to do and not really access to the mental health resources that they had before, it led to relapses. So that was definitely another negative that came out of this pandemic. Yeah. And you mentioned like all those, obviously the relapses in the anxiety and depression side as well, that's come from the pandemic, how we've recognized it a lot more. And I think when people do take that step to reach out and to try to overcome those problems that they're dealing with, I think a common misunderstanding they have, is it something that's going to be fixed quickly. I don't know where that kind of belief or mentality came from, but even something I've experienced myself is that it's a journey you are on. It's important for people to understand that whether it is your faith life or your mental health journey, that it is going to take time. It's not something that's going to happen overnight or in a month or even maybe with even in a year. There's progress steps that you have to make and it's all about that big journey. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Great point. Some people think, okay, because I'm a social worker, too. And some people think, all right, therapy didn't work, you know, the first three sessions. And, you know, I guess I'm done for nothing's going to help me. And I remember I was talking with this girl in the beginning. And I said, don't worry, you'll see how this is going to progress. And three months later, I didn't know how how helpful this would be. I didn't, you know, I love myself again. So yeah, it's it's steps, it's milestones, it's progression. And we just need to make sure we're able to motivate ourselves and use faith in God and understand the process. Yeah, absolutely. And I know we've been touching on this kind of throughout our whole conversation here, but I'm interested to see if there's a specific piece of advice that you have to those people who think, 
they've lost touch with their faith life or they're struggling with anxiety or depression or all these other things we've been talking about. Is there this initial piece of advice that you would give to them? I would say one of my favorite quotes, it's the most, you know, well-known saying for AA and NA, and it's just one day at a time, you know, one step at a time, because you're not sure what tomorrow's going to bring. It could be something positive, it, it could be something negative, but you're not sure. So just one day at a time with everything, whether it's depression or anxiety, if you're in a happy mood, also cherish that happy and positive mood that you're in. There's this quote also, it's from a movie. I adore Robin Williams and his quotes that he has said in the past. It's this the movie, I think, uh, what is it? The Night Night at the Museum? Night at the Museum or something like that? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, Robin Williams says to Ben Stiller in the movie, you know, time for your next adventure. And Ben Stiller's like, well, I don't know what tomorrow's going to bring. And then Robin Williams' character says, how exciting. And so I tell all of my clients that quote, because often if we're struggling with mental illness, we are not sure what tomorrow's going to bring, except maybe just another day of depression. But, you know, we're not sure what it's going to bring. It could be a wonderful, it could be such a great day. So how exciting is it that we're not exactly sure what tomorrow's going to bring? I love that because that is something that I've definitely struggled with and has been a big source of my anxiety is that fear of the future. And I always want everything to be in place, scheduled out and stuff. But like you're saying, it's like a blessing that we don't know about that because there's endless opportunities that could happen and those blessings can be granted upon us. So I think that's an incredible place to wrap up. And I think you kind of basically answered my last point here with asking for your favorite quote. You've kind of brought that in right away. (laughs) Yes, that would be. That would definitely be one of them. And another quote I like about that uh, has to do with the future, not really understanding what's going on. It's by one of my favorite philosophers, Søren Kierkegaard. And he says, you know, life can't be understood forward. It can only be understood backwards. And this is in regards to faith as well, because we don't know everything you know that god's you know why is god doing this why is god doing that but we can find out later on and see wow i understand what's happening and like you said before about it can take years or however long and then you can look back a year later and say wow i understand why that happened now so that's another uh favorite quote of mine yeah i love that And thank you so much for being willing to come on to the positive point again, because I'm just so grateful for you being, being so vulnerable and sharing your story. It is so inspirational to hear how you've gotten over what you've struggled with and how you've used that to now be an inspiration to those around you and those around the world. So thank you so much for taking the time to come on to the positive point. Of course. Thank you for having me. I hope you enjoyed that conversation I had with Raquel. I learned so much and was so happy to finally sit down and talk with her. If you enjoyed that conversation and want to learn more about her, go to her Instagram page at Hope Change Inspire. Before I end this episode, though, we need the positive point of the podcast. And I did a lot of thinking of it for this episode. I've come to the conclusion that we must trust the greater plan and accept a faithful life. Now, I don't want to turn anyone away or make people mad by expressing my beliefs and opinions, but after truly developing a close relationship with our Lord, 
I don't see how anyone can fulfill their life's purpose without embracing the life God is calling you to. It takes a lot of guts and courage to put your own personal desires to the side and accept whatever you feel God is calling you to. But I promise the peace, joy, and love that journey provides will be greater than anything you could have manufactured by yourself. If you aren't a faithful individual, I encourage you to reach out to someone who is and try to understand why they have chosen to live that life. It's through understanding others where we can feel better about the decisions we make and potentially change our own lifestyle. Adopt a positive lifestyle. For some, that might look different. But for me, I have found that the happiest I have ever been is when the Word of God has filled my heart. Knowing that I have the creator of the universe by my side, helping me through every situation that comes my way, gives me the strength to wake up with a smile. It's the devil who thrives on doubt. It's the devil who wants you to crumble. It's the devil who wants you to fail because through that failure we often turn to unclean acts, unclean habits, and unclean beliefs. But the strength of faith will help you to persevere through those hard times with the knowledge of better times coming. For I am willing to sacrifice my current personal desires and resist the temptful traps of the devil with hopes of living in eternal happiness. I encourage you to join me on my pursuit of heaven. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son. Whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. This week I challenge you, if you consider yourself a faithful person, to dust off your Bible and try to regularly read a chapter or two from it to listen to what God has to say to you. Sometimes the best reading comes from opening up to a random page. If you don't feel like this applies to you, though, I pray for you and also encourage you to once again consciously think about your mental state. Are you happy with where you are, or is there something that's keeping you from the happiness? It's okay to not be okay. You have a support system around you. I promise. I hope you enjoyed this episode of The Positive Point. As always, feel free to DM me on Twitter at the Positive Poi 2. That's the Positive P-O-I 2. Or Instagram at the Positive Point underscore podcast. Or send an email to the Positive Point Podcast at gmail.com to share a random act of kindness or uplifting deed that you did for someone else or they did for you. Or maybe it's something you saw someone else do for another person. Reach out to me and share the story. Who knows? Maybe you will be the next positive point of the podcast. Until next time, this is Joshua Tigges. And remember, keep it positive.